The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All those Uncle Sams and Lady Liberties twirling their signs out there can only mean one thing. It's tax season. But instead of losing your hard-earned cash to companies that hide behind a costume or do-it-yourself software that specializes in headaches, give Palacio, Palacio, and Zimmerman a call. PPZ has been providing premium accounting and tax services to clients for over 25 years. They'll make the filing process simple through close, one-on-one support and maximize your return using their exceptional expertise. Ready to file? Call 305-595-0303 or visit ppzllc.com. That's ppzllc.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to the third season of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. I have Simon Clancy here. I have Chris Kaufman here. Now, did you ever wonder what would happen if we were the GMs? Well, Simon will explain. So we thought that to kick off, you guys like all this sort of stuff. I've had loads of messages. We've all had loads of messages from people talking about who would we draft? Who's your top 10 here? Who's your blah blah What are you going to do in free agency? What would you? So essentially, we just thought we would try and be the general manager. So we, I told the guys that we should select 10 players in free agency and then draft accordingly, given what we had individually done in free agency. So I will go first. I'll explain my 10 free agents that I think we should target or that I would target if I was running the team. And then I'll rattle through our draft selections. And then we'll probably have a little discussion about it. And then Chris will do it. And then Alf will do it or, or vice versa. But that's essentially what we've got for you this week. Not a lot of news going on. A lot of smoke screens, the Justin Herbert stuff. Two as hip seems better and, you know, progressing nicely but we're kind of in that period sort of before free agency sort of before the combine a lot of rumors a lot of so let's kick off with it with it with our 10 free agents each i will do my mine first and my draft and then we'll go go through so here we go so i'm kicking off um with kareem hunt uh running back obviously with the cleveland browns i kind of feel like you signed hunt uh it's been 18 months since the incident 
uh, as dreadful as it was, but things have calmed down a little bit. Things have moved on, kept out of trouble in Cleveland. I think you can sign him to a, you know, a lower deal, high incentives, but he's a guy that would fit this offense perfectly. Um, I ignored wide receiver. I ignored tight end. I ignored cornerback. For me, I would, I would rebuild the Dolphins' defensive line in free agency, but that doesn't mean I will ignore the offensive line completely. And there's, so there's two players that I picked up very versatile, can play left guard, right guard, and center. The first is Detroit's Graham Glasgow, who's played all three positions. And in fact, playing, played very well at center until was moved to right guard. Uh, Frank Ragnow, who's one of the best young centers in the NFL, took over. And Glasgow is an above average player who, like I said, can play at all three positions. Austin Blythe is another guard from the Rams. Um, played very well in 20, 2018, not so well in 2019. Get him on a, 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 a low deal, uh, not so much money. Glasgow obviously will be significantly more expensive. But Blythe is a guy that can come in uh, and can start at all three spots, left, right, and centre, depending on what you do uh, moving forwards. Um, uh, we've, we've questioned the three of us whether or not we think the Dolphins will go for a massive splash player or actually whether they'll just select a load of tier two free agents. There's a couple of splash players for me, I think, in this, certainly in what I've done. The first is Eric Armstead of the 49ers, a guy with position versatility, can play inside, outside. I suppose the question for me is contract year was his best year, uh, and obviously playing alongside D. Ford and Nick Boza and DeForest Buckner and Solomon Thomas, does that make him better? Why is he only a one-year player? But I think he's a sort of versatile piece who would fit very well in this defense. A guy I've banged the drum for an awful lot is Matthew Judon uh, of uh, of the Ravens. The Ravens have significantly allowed guys to move on, be it Pernell McPhee, be it Darius Smith. It's kind of been a, a treadmill of letting people go. They seem to draft players like Jalen Ferguson last year, potentially to replace Ed Judon. But you look at his numbers, I mean, 14 tackles for a loss, 10 sacks, 4 false fumbles, 33 hits uh, for Judon last year. Again, a movable piece, uh, an effort player, a guy who can consistently get to the quarterback and cause problems in, in, the, in the backfield. And then two interior defensive linemen to go alongside um, alongside the guys, Godchow and, and Christian Wilkins. That would be DJ Reader, the big nose tackle, but who can offer some pass rush um, of the Houston Texans and David Onyemata, the kid that the Saints got from Canada, from Manitoba, had a great year in 2018, not quite as good in 2019, but is one of those kind of rotational pieces that you would just work into that rotation. And then on the back end, I think there were three players I identified. I certainly looked at James Bradbury and Byron Jones as those, as those cornerbacks. In the end, I settled for Eli Apple, coming off a not-so-good year and ended with a separated shoulder, but played better when he was traded from the Giants and the Saints, a guy that the Dolphins were interested, interested in the draft the year uh god was it the year that we took minka fitzpatrick or the year before i can't even remember now it's it's um it's gone back in the midst of time year and then before. two safeties the year before mm. that's right and then two safeties um von bell of the saints 24 years old has already played very well has position versatility versatility free safety strong safety a very good player on the back end and then demarius randall a guy that was drafted by the packers to play cornerback um uh, last year had a, a strong year uh, in Cleveland, two years in Cleveland, two years in Green Bay. Uh, played all over slot corner, played free safety, played strong safety, uh, worked down into the box. Just those rotational pieces that um, 
that, that Brian Flores' defense is looking for. So that's what I did in free agency. Uh, and so that's so it essentially set me up for the draft and made you think very differently about how you draft. Because as I was saying to the guys beforehand, this is not how I would ordinarily have drafted it. Was I just bored and thought I'd set up and do a fan speak draft? So we decided to do a fan speak draft, normal settings, classic settings, and using the Matt Miller Bleacher Report uh, draft board. So I'll go through it very quickly. Tua, obviously at five. At 18, Andrew Thomas was on the board, left tackle from Georgia. Um, wouldn't surprise me if he fell, given the way that, that, that uh, Worths and, uh, and those guys are moving up the board. Um, interesting pick here at 26. I wouldn't have done it uh, ordinarily, but LaVisca Chenault, wide receiver from Colorado, who I absolutely love, Chris loves as well, big-time Dolphins fan, written about him for the magazine over here in the UK. He's a guy that you can just line up everywhere, can play wildcat quarterback, can play receiver inside, outside, can play running back. Um, if he can overcome some of those injury issues, I, I absolutely love him. Jeff Gladney, a pick 39, big, tough TCU corner, will not back down. This Brian Flores defense loves defensive backs. Pick 56, Jonathan Taylor. Probably would not be my first choice for running back, but uh, he was on the board. J.K. Dobbins was on the board as well, but I thought with Kareem Hunt, Taylor offers that bell, bell cow versatility. Uh, Lucas Niang, <coughs> excuse me, a guy that Alf loves, a guy that mm-hmm. all of us really like. Um, a pick 70, guy can come in from day one at right tackle. Pick 142, I was really surprised to have him on the board, and he probably won't be on the board come draft day. But Amik Robertson, um, a cornerback, Chris and I were talking about him the other day, could play nickel. If he added 15 pounds, he could be a Tyron Matthew type. He's got tremendous instincts, but it gives you some versatility as to what you do with Bobby McCain moving forwards, and whether or not you move him on, whether or not you cut him, given his contract. Amik Robertson, I think, could be an outstanding nickel in this league. Uh, two guys that I picked, in fact, three guys in a row that I picked that I really, really like. Starting with James Prochet, the SMU wide receiver, slot receiver, just eight drops in his career, outstanding hands, great route runner, um, played really well at the senior bowl in terms of the practices, just, you know, got about his job, unassuming, catches everything. He's small, but he's a great sort of Jarvis Landry, chippy kind of slot receiver. Um, Devon Hamilton of Ohio State, interior defensive lineman, big. I mean, you watch him at the start of games, he looks like Aaron Donald. Um, he needs to work on his health and fitness, I think, a little bit, lay off the cake um, because he certainly wears down in games. But he's a guy that um, I, I think could be um, could be a really, really good player give it, if they can get his, his fitness levels down. And then Davion Taylor, it's a linebacker slash safety at Colorado. Every time you turn on the Colorado defensive film, he's making plays. He's 224 pounds. So you think, you know, could he play safety? Could he play linebacker? <coughs> Excuse me, I've got a frog in my throat. That's not a draft pick. Um, I'm a really big fan of Taylor. And then my final four picks. Um, Cheyenne O'Grady uh, is a tight end who's had some off-field issues, but I think he is as talented as, as there is in terms of on-field performance, certainly in terms of route running and hand-catching. Um, and if the Dolphins can overlook two suspensions, then uh, he is a, a very interesting candidate. Um, Alex Highsmith, I don't think he'll be available at 202. We all like him. Chris loves him. We, we've all been big, big fans. He's one of Chris's, kind of Chris's guys. And then the last two picks, Jake Luton, the quarterback from Oregon State. We know the Dolphins have done an awful lot of work on Jake Luton. A big guy, accurate, good touch, not the strongest of arms. He's six foot seven, which sometimes makes you think, is he too big to be a quarterback? He's like Dan Maguire size. Um, and then the final pick, 251, Cameron Clark, an offensive guard from Charlotte, goes up against, or a tackle slash guard, goes up against um, goes up against Highsmith in practice every day. That essentially rounds out my GM dum in terms of free agency and the draft. So, so go at it, boys. What do you think? 
Oh, well, I would take it. I'd do that right now. <laughs> I think <laughs> I, anybody I think would you, take that. I think well, we worked out that I spent just under seventy-five million in in first-year contracts on on those guys. Yeah, I spent first first year. Months. I good. I was <laughs> kind of doing. I was doing the calculations sort of in my head uh, or, you know, on scratching them down on napkins as you were yeah. going around. <laughs> and, um, and I think that uh, if I were, if I were to have it, Kareem Hunt, um, I'm guessing, I don't really know, know this, but mm-hmm. uh, Kareem Hunt, if I were to guess based on his history, uh, we're looking at possibly a five ish million dollar contract. What yeah. I, I put three years, 5 million per year. Plus yeah. Okay. And uh, Graham Glasgow, I would guess, be more like a, about an eight. Yeah. Um, so well, an I, eight I put million. four years. I put four years, nine million per year. But yeah. Okay. Eight, yeah. So. Um, and I'm, I'm again. I'm just kind of like as you were going. I'm sketching this down. Uh, Austin Blythe. That's a really low level deal. Yeah. That's probably between two one years, and two million. million. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it might even be lower than that. Uh, Eric Armstead, Eric Armstead, and and Matthew Judon are both going to be big deals of sixteen yeah. million a 16 year million. at least. Yeah. That's, that's what um, I thought, yeah. DJ Reader, this is where it gets controversial because I know that there's a Spotrack uh, estimate out there that says more like eleven to twelve yeah. million. I think it's more like ten. Mm-hmm. Albert um, Breer, Albert Breer had him listed today as somebody who's going to get paid significantly in free agency. Yeah. Yeah. And, and David, David Onyemata uh, <coughs> is another is another one that would probably get about the same. I, I yeah. would think about ten. Yeah. Eli Apple, controversial. He shouldn't get much money, but I know how free agency works with guys that are physically um, impressive as he is. And Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking it could be upwards of like $7 million. I know that might be disagreeable with your number. I put I put one year, 5 million, but what? Okay. That's close enough. Um, And then Von Bell, Von Bell and Demarius Randall, I think are both high price safeties. They're both looking Mm -hmm. at 10, probably $10 million a year. Um, Yeah. I went, I went four years. Ten. Yeah, I went four years, thirty million for Von Bell, and two okay. years, ten million for Randall. So okay, two two years, ten million total. Yeah, two like so five, five a year. Billion. Yeah, I yeah, think Randall might be more expensive. Okay, might be more expensive than that. So I had, I had in in terms of average annual value, I had somewhere around, um, you know, in the nineties uh, of of total new contracts there. Um, yeah. First year is going to be significantly less than that because that's the way first year works. Um, so it's, um, it's, you, you did a lot, you did a lot of work in free agency. Mm. That way. Yeah. Um, I'm whacking, I'm whacking some guys as well. You know, some of our, yeah, guys. You, oh, are, who, who do you have in mind? I was interested in that. Who do you have in so, mind that you, you would be whacking? Well, well, so I, I had Fitzpatrick, Tua and Jake Leon as the quarterbacks, Taylor Hunt, uh, Laird and Gaskin at running back, Chanda Cox, Parker, William, Chenault, Grant, Prochet, so potentially losing Wilson. Um, Kasiki Smythe and O'Grady, Thomas Niang, Davenport Webb, then Blythe, Davis, Dieter, and Clark with Glasgow at center. And then Armstead, Highsmith, uh, Zach Sealer, and Christian Wilkins up at end with Reader, Godchar, Onyamata, and Hamilton at tackle. Beagle, Van Ginkle, Baker, McMillan, uh, Davion Taylor, Matthew Juden at linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, Howard, Eli Apple, Gladney, Amik Robertson, Needham, and Wiltz at corner with Rowe, Bell, Randall, and Montre Hartage. So Bobby McCain goes as well. Hmm. Interesting. Um, now, some, some of these guys I'm going to leave alone, and you'll, you'll find out why later. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of funny. I, uh, okay, so we came, to the same, uh, we came to the same answers on a few of these. Um, <laughs> so did we? Cream Hunt. 
Kareem Hunt, uh, the one the one comment that I'd have about him is would Steve Ross sign off on this? That's yeah. that's mm-hmm. the um and we've talked about that before actually. Yeah. Uh, um you mentioned our Eric Armstead, you know, why was it the one year where it blew up? Uh at the Super Bowl, the clear answer from uh Chris Kasurik, anyway, who used to be our defensive line coach as for yeah. why he blew up was because they changed the style of defensive line and system where it's the, it's the wide nine type style. It's, it's hitting off the blocks as fast as you can. They put them out wider. Definitely. They put them out wider. And um, they said, Kaserik seemed to think that 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 was how he really blossomed. And I kind of wonder if Armstead would be even willing because the year before he was more of a sit and read uh, is what Kaserik said. And that's kind of more like what Miami runs. I wonder if Armstead would even go for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, hey, this is how I blew up. He was a good player before. Don't get, mm. you know, don't make me, don't get it wrong. I mean, he was a really good player, even yeah. in sitting feet. He's attractive. I would sign him in an instant, just like so you. So would I. Um, but would he go? Um, would he go? That's, yeah, that's the that's a real the, issue. The, there's one other player I wanted to throw into the mix, just in case either Jude or not Armstead didn't work. There's a guy I I I, I do like watching is Kamale Correa the former mm. Raven who went to the Titans, who I thought played – and again, saw a lot of Titans games down the stretch because of just paying attention to Tannehill. Our system. But yeah, he flashed an awful lot. Mm. He flashed an awful – especially in the playoffs. He flashed That's an, an excellent call. That, that, could, that could happen. Like, that stands a chance of actually happening, I think. Um, but, yeah, and, and I think Judon, the one – the rumor that's out there that I've seen just gives me a little bit of pause about Judon is uh, he's – like the Ravens are thinking, well, two things about Judon. One, the Ravens are thinking about tagging him so that they can get paid yeah. or so that they can get something in return for him leaving because they just had this happen with Zadarius Smith and he goes off to Green Bay and has a wild up, successful yeah. year. Um, yeah, and Baltimore has and, some intrigue as far as like guys that they have to re-sign. This, this right, season. they do. Um, and, and the other thing that gives me, and, and I, I know that PFF is, is sort of their own thing and, and, they're up, they're down. They're sometimes just completely full of it. Sometimes they're good. They did point out something that was interesting, which is a lot of Judon's pressures and sacks and stuff came this year, either completely unblocked, which happens as an outside linebacker a lot, um, or they were really late in the down or sort of kind of a cleanup situation where the quarterback kind of scrambles into you. Uh, that would give me a little bit of pause, but only because Baltimore doesn't seem like they're going to retain him. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, if it, it was like, okay, that would mean nothing if Baltimore's like, we want him back, we want him back, we want him back, because they know that that's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, but if they're like, hey, we want to get, you know, we want to let him go, but we want a little bit of a price tag for this. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there's something like that. That does give me a little bit, but uh, we know he's a good player, though. Yeah. So um, I could, I could but, see them tagging and dealing him. Yeah, that's what that that's where I think that could be headed. <coughs> like transition, maybe yeah. would that Absolutely. work? Absolutely. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Um, potentially. And it might work for Miami that way. We have a lot of yeah. picks. <laughs> we do have a lot of picks. And I, actually, I was saying to saying to um, saying to Alf before you came up. Chris had some technical difficulties before we started. Um, when the, halfway through this draft, I was thinking. There's no way we're going to use all these 14 picks. I, we can't. It's difficult for me to yeah. find yeah, they have to positions for these Just players. Just start to go plugging to. guys in. <laughs> yeah, it's like Christ. Who, who else am I going to pick? I'm still going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've still got seven more left. Oh, how does that work? 
who's your best who do you, who did you feel was your best draft pick like your most interesting like i'm um, proud of draft pick well um, having thomas full to 18 i thought was great but wouldn't surprise me on draft day I, I, i've always loved chanel i think he's absolutely mm. he's just yes. sex I thought getting Jonathan Taylor at 56 was nice. I, lo- I really like Jeff Jasney. I think he's a really good corner. Um, I, You've I talked like about him a lot. Yeah, I like the um, I like Prochet, Hamilton, Taylor. They, those for me are, mm-hmm. uh, are nice players. Um, I think getting Niang at 70 would be really nice. He's just a plug-and-play right tackle from day one. I think he's mm-hmm. a, just a good player. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I liked it. I, there was, and Cameron Clark, know, I know you like a lot. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Clark as well, and, you know, he, he's battle tested against Highsmith day after day in, in practice. So you know, I mean, you know, who stood out to me is Cheyenne O'Grady, though. I was just um, about because, to say, yeah, because uh, that's that Cheyenne O'Grady is a big. I mean, uh, to use your term, which you talked about, Travis Kelsey. We talked about him a lot together coming out of the draft, and a big chest of drawers guy, uh, yeah, Cheyenne O'Grady, and um, and he is. I mean, if you think about uh, Chan Gailey's offense and kind of what he uses at tight end mm. and think back to when he was here with Miami it was um it was uh what's his name Hunter Goodwin uh yeah, exactly and, and it's yeah. it is like a big blocker tight end Cheyenne O'Grady is a big you know strong dude like that with an attitude a big attitude yeah. so well that kind of works against him sometimes suspensions um so I think that that's an interesting pick because it fits very much in that Chan Gailey you know mold and i thought about that my, myself uh with him because i do like him as well i don't know if the suspensions would scare them off yeah all right you were guys and right devon hamilton i f- i wish i would oh, use him right. in my draft such <laughs> such a good player i, I missed him for, at the pick you ready for me to demonstrate how i'm winning the super bowl in one year yep <laughs> just okay. one just one thing on o'grady three career suspensions by two Three. separate coaching staffs. Yeah. Wow. And two coaching staffs. <laughs> so it says, he missed two games last season while serving a suspension for an unspecified violation of team rules. And while redshirting, he was suspended from the team in 2015 following an arrest for DWI. Oh, man. Hmm. He's got that. He's got that Aaron yeah. Hernandez thing going for him. That yeah. Guy. You like that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So these are my 10 guys. And I had some contingencies in case some of them fell through. But. The guy that I'm targeting, and I've said this before on this podcast before, the quickest way to get really good, at least in one area, is to just mine that area for, for talent. And that's in the secondary. And I like Byron Jones of Dallas. Yeah. I'm not prepared to go crazy over him, but 12 to 14 million a year average, I think that should get him on board. He did have a bad 2019 after a stellar 2018. He would be the guy I call at 1201 on free agency day now we need a running back and in fact we need a running back room and i'm targeting two guys number one is melvin gordon his film checks out i think his best years are ahead of him he hasn't been used Uh, you would think that he's been heavily used in san diego he really hasn't because he's missed some games he's only 26 years old i'm figuring figuring an 11 mil per year average could get him on board and he would be the second guy I call and would lead my running back group to back him up. I'll go get a guy that was already here and he wants to be here and he's 4,000 years old, but he, you know, you could do a hell of a lot worse as your fourth, your third or fourth running back in the running back room. And that's Frank Gore from Buffalo at 37 years old. He wants to play one more year. He wants to play it in Miami. I make it easy for him at $2 million a year. 
maybe a little bit more, maybe give him another million as a going away present. Now, obviously, we need guys to block for these guys. And I decided to go sign two pro bowlers on the offensive line. Now, you ask me, how are you going to do this? Well, I'm going to make these guards the third and the fourth highest paid guards in the NFL, if not the fifth highest paid guards in the NFL. And that's Andrews Pete of New Orleans at somewhere around 11 mil per year. He's only 26 years old, pro bowler. Very good, especially very good in the running game. And if you watch New Orleans this year, he was a catalyst on that team. And they don't seem to want to pay him all that money because basically they're, they're, cap, they're, they're cap strapped. And the other guard is Brandon Scherf of Washington. I'm figuring 12 million per can get it done. And that will make these two guys the highest paid guards in the NFL behind Brandon Brooks, Zach Martin, and possibly Andrew Norwell. Now, I wouldn't get too crazy and I wouldn't go too deep past the numbers that I gave out for those two guys because I would monitor a situation in Baltimore, and that's a restricted free agent in Matt Skura, who had a, a pretty bad knee injury. But as pointed out in an article that I read earlier today, he had essentially the same knee injury that Marshall Yanda had in his second year in Baltimore. And since then, all that Marshall Yanda has done is made the Hall of Fame. Uh, this guy has, has stellar metrics. Uh, he has four penalties in his entire career. That's 39 games. Okay, he's allowed four and a half sacks in those 39 games. Good center, stocky, 6'4", 310 pounds, Matt Skura of Baltimore. I'm not saying I'm signing him, but I am monitoring it very, very closely. Now, on the defensive line, Leonard Williams of the Giants, at an average of about 8.2 mil per year, a longer-term deal. I guarantee some of it because this is a guy who's going to play a lot of snaps for us. At 26 years old, I think he's worth the gamble. He's played at a high level before. I think he could play at a high level again in our system. Now, DJ Reader is a guy that I was really interested in, but that 11 mil per year number I saw on Track scared me away. So I decided, you know what? I'm just going to go a little bit more conventional and pass on DJ Reader, and I'm just going to go get the consummate zero-tech type, and that's Danny Shelton. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to almost double his salary from last year and pay him 4.7 per year this year. Danny Shelton, he's only 27 years old from New England. He could be our zero-tech. Now, got to fill out the roster, right? So a guy that me and, and Chris talked about last year on this podcast as a candidate for a starting spot on the Miami Dolphins, and that's Quentin Spain, guard from Buffalo. He's 28 years old. I think $2 million a year can get him done. Maybe you guarantee half of the deal on a two-year deal and he comes on board. There's your third guard on this team. Uh, Trey Boston, free safety. I don't think he's going to be that, all that expensive. For whatever reason, he's never really gotten paid. Maybe four to five per year can get it done. If not, I'm not sweating him because there's people I like in the draft. And in fact, I did draft the safety. Now, this guy is one that I would keep a close, close eye on. Uh, we've been trying to get that inline tight end position right for a while. And Durham Smith, some like him, some don't, some don't care. But I think that this guy is a candidate to get paid out of nowhere. And that's Nick Bennett of the Steelers, 26 years old. I'm figuring 3 million per. I don't think I'll get him for that, those 3 million per. He's coming off a, you know, he gets paid the minimum right now. Pittsburgh really likes him. They traded for him. So I don't hold out hopes, but I would explore him. Absolutely. 
And with that, I have about $69.9 million committed in first year salaries. Now, moving on to the draft, if you notice, I got two Pro Bowl guards, right? Well, here come the tackles. At number five, of course, I'm taking Tua Tungavailoa to be the quarterback of this team going forward when Fitzpatrick retires in a year. But at 18, I'm taking Josh Jones of Houston. Okay, he starts from day one at left tackle. Uh, he, I don't want to you know, start saddling him with Richmond Webb comparisons, but he is nimble. He has that body type. He could be a, a performer here at left tackle for a very long time. And if we're spending a lot of money on guards, we're going to have to draft tackles. Okay? At 26, Zach Bond. Zach Bond of Wisconsin. It's a do-over on T.J. Watt. I'm not saying he's T.J. Watt, but his film checks out. He's not one of these finesse types. He has it all coming off the edge. He'll be going after the quarterback on this team. At 39, Antoine Winfield Jr. of Minnesota. He's not a guy that I was on to right away. I started watching some Minnesota games. He pops all over the place. This, guy, this guy's going to be a performer on our team. If we don't get Trey Boston, it's no big deal. We will draft this guy. We'll plug and play. We'll be fine at safety. At 56, here's the right tackle, and that's Lucas Niang. Is a guy I've liked for a long, long time. If he's not ready to play right away, as some have speculated, I guess Jesse Davis can play at right tackle for now until Lucas Niang takes over. At 70, I'm finishing up my running back group, and that's Cam Akers of Florida State. He'll back up Melvin Gordon. I guess number three on that depth chart will be Frank Gore. And number four is whoever's left over from the group we had this year, which wasn't a very good group to begin with. At 142 was the first adversity I faced in this draft. I was targeting Troy Pride Jr. And I was willing to settle for Lamar Jackson. I couldn't get either. But I got a guy out of Florida Atlantic, James Pierre, 6'2", 195 pounds, has that Aqib Tlaib look. Very rangy, very good in man-to-man coverage. James Pierre is a guy at 142 we should be happy with, with getting. Now, this guy, I got him at 162. I was shocked he's still there. And, in fact, I, I wondered why I didn't take him at 142. I don't think he'll be there in the draft at this time. But he's a guy I would draft, absolutely. And that's Alex Highsmith of Charlotte. Not many guys get after the quarterback as good as this guy will. And he might, you know, blow up the combine. And that could be over with as far as, like, taking him this late in the draft. At 173, we're getting some tackle depth, and that's Jack Driscoll of uh, Auburn. Uh, consistent performer. He fills out the tackle depth. He, you know, I'm not expecting him to start or anything, but he's, he's a guy that could press people. Now, this guy is interesting at 185, and that's Sean Pollard of Clemson. He's played everywhere on that offensive line. Top performer for the national champion. I like him to press somebody for the center spot. Uh, I'd actually put him in the competition right away and see if he can handle it because he's handled it so far. He captained a pretty good offensive line in Clemson. So Sean Pollard of Clemson at 185. At 197 is Jeff Thomas of the U. Jeff Thomas will run sub 4-4. Now, you got to give something. You got to throw a bone to Tua Tungavailoa. I'm already giving him Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, along with Albert Wilson. Let's not forget about him. He's good when he's healthy. And Jakeem Grant's still around. So why not give him a deep threat? A guy who's going to run nine routes. He's been clocked at over 21 miles an hour in college several times this guy can burn now he doesn't do much else but you know you can't ask for too much when you're drafting at 197 jeff thomas wide receiver at 202 we're filling out the quarterback room and that's khalil tate 
of Arizona. Didn't have the greatest of year, but if you remember one of the earliest podcasts we did this past season on quarterbacks, we talked about Khalil Tate as, as a possible top 100 pick if he had a big year. Well, that didn't happen. If you can get him in the sixth round, I'd say you celebrate. Take him. Now, let's fill out the tight end room, and this is a guy that I'm shocked I could get him this late, but Charlie Werner of Georgia. Uh, Jake Fromm, you could say that he made him look good, but I think Jake, uh, Charlie Warner is pretty smart, especially, especially on those option routes, good in-line tight end, can block some, but he's a pretty decent pass receiver. So we're going to work up that, that entire tight end room, and essentially Mike Gusecki, we know what he is. He's a wide receiver. He's essentially our slot wide receiver right now. So, yeah, we need some tight ends. I'm going to try to attempt to do it by, by drafting one and signing one. At 251, you know, there wasn't much on the board, but I took Michael Pitney of, uh, of the U, uh, captain of the defense. He's a thumper type, plays middle linebacker. There are many more ways that you can go with this pick and probably get a special teamer, but I'm going to try to get a guy that might stick and might play some. So, guys. Could I ask you, you one think? quick question? 173. Who was it that you said you were taking? Uh, Jack Driscoll. Jack Driscoll is the, the old offensive tackle. tackle. The Auburn guy. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just um, barely missed that. <laughs> okay. Go Jeff ahead. Thomas. Have you finished? Jeff Thomas, mate. I think he's going to go undrafted. Uh, really? There is some fairly big off field issues with him, including um, multiple reports I've seen where people have said he's almost impossible to coach, does not take to coaching at all has had multiple suspensions at Miami loads mm-hmm. of things going in his favor but some pretty serious off-field concerns I think that would be my that's been my takeaway just looking at his I believe uh, it. In, in terms of your free agent stuff Byron Jones we all we all love Byron Jones Are you think in a cornerback or safety corner okay do you think Trey Boston at safety, his inability to tackle he's a very inconsistent tackler do you think that jibes with the Brian Flores defense I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Yeah, I could see where you're going with that. And maybe he could be hitting a little bit if he's just playing a lot of single high. But uh, remember, if you remember what I said, I said $4 million and I'm not really prepared to yeah. fight for him all that hard. It's I'm great ball hawk. Just try to get a bargain here. Great ball hawk. He just uh, that tackling thing worries me. I suppose Melvin Gordon is the one that, you know, fifth-year guys only ever had 1,000-yard season and mm-hmm. only ever had one season over four yards per carry. That, that would Absolutely. be a concern. For me, but um, and and I just don't, don't like paying running backs big money in second contracts. But that's just my. What did you guys think my... of my attempt on the offensive line signing signing two expensive guards and drafting two tackles high, and then Ooh. another guard and like if I'm got this correctly, you've got Andres Pete uh, and yep. Brandon Scherf, uh, yes. but you've also got Quentin Span. Uh, yeah. after that so mm-hmm. you've you're really going after the guard position here pete can play some tackles. swing tackle as well yes oh pete yeah he, he's he's a um he's a left tackle left guard yeah uh, is what he's what he's done and so you've got left tackle left guard pete and uh scherf is um right guard right is yeah. more of a right guard right and mm-hmm. and and his and his experience in the nfl what was he in in but not that's not that's not the side he was in in college, right? I mean, no, he was, but he's played right guard almost yeah. exclusively for Washington. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, 
and then you have Lucas Niang at you just plugging in him at right tackle and Josh Jones at left tackle. So your line is going to be ideally Josh Jones, Andres Pete. Um, who do you have at center? Who's I center? have killed Gore, but I'm have. Uh, oh, I've just have Sean okay. So. We we found first chink in the armor, Ted. Um, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's and then right right I guard. Would. But in in fairness, right guard Brandon Scherf, which is yes. pretty good, <laughs> and uh, and right tackle Lucas Niang. Right, so or that's, that's your offense. Davis until Lucas Niang replaces him. What I like about that though is you've got two inexperienced tackles who are working next to two experienced, battle hardened, you mm. know, good interior alignment so they're gonna you know pete will help jones scherf will help niang yeah. and they of course what to not like there is that you know we're we're still gonna get knocked backward three yards off the ball by uh, <laughs> that center yeah. um for the time and being. also because you've re-signed frank gore we can literally go back to kill gore, Kills <laughs> gore. I do actually, I, I wanted to bring that up. I, I like the Frank Gore signing a lot, especially if you've already gotten Melvin Gordon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going going back, I mean, <laughs> I would have thought that him, he was over the hill and it wouldn't have worked out when we signed him for 2018. And he was the best running back we had in the backfield. And, and then, you know, I don't know what, what, what happened or didn't happen this year in Buffalo, but uh, – but he's an amazing – he's had an amazing career and he's an amazing player, and it wouldn't surprise me if he's still got enough left in the tank to be to be Melvin Gordon's backup. So I, I liked that there's, one. I wanted to give you a shout-out on that one. There's a, um, a fairly big free agent player who's just come off the market. Uh, a contract has just been announced for the Arizona left tackle, DJ Humphreys, who Thank is staying in Arizona. Okay. All right. On a, on a three-year, forty-five million dollar deal with thirty million over the first two years, and twenty-nine wow. million guaranteed. Wow! Told you it was going to be expensive. Wait, wait. So, say those numbers again. <laughs> so it says here the Arizona Cardinals have agreed with offensive tackle DJ Humphries on a three-year, forty-five million dollar deal with thirty Whoa. million over over the first two years, twenty-nine of which is guaranteed. And I guess we can review. We're going to need a bigger now. boat. We had a conversation on the WhatsApp chat about a week ago. The Dolphins had interest. Yeah. Uh, we yeah, didn't, did. though. We didn't. Help. We didn't. <laughs> we disagreed. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so you've, you've got a really strong offensive line, ex-Kilgore. Um, and, I, of course, you know, Simon, you mentioned Trey Boston missed tackles, and I get it. But he he just he just picked up Antoine Winfield in the draft, so it's like yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. So that's that's Give more it. than papering over that um, that problem. Yeah. After now we before we move on, one question I want to ask you guys: Are do you agree with me that Nick Bennett could be one of those sneaky, highly paid guys this year? I think I no, I I, I agree. He could he could get some money. I mm-hmm. I think that's that's accurate. Um, people are they're looking for the complete tight end all right now it's time for my my turn uh, my free agency my my draft and I'll start with the offensive line in free agency uh, the key keyword here is options and this is this is what I tried to get because you don't know how the draft is going to play out you don't know who's going to be available who the best is available is going to be so I wanted to create options for myself so the three guys that I have signing in the offensive line area 
uh, first we'll go with the sort of the banner signing, and this isn't really a banner signing, but uh, it's Greg Robinson. Uh, Greg Robinson was left tackle of the Cleveland Browns this year. Mm-hmm. He was drafted number two overall, uh, former by the uh, by the the Rams. And all the while, he's been playing left tackle, or most of the time, he's been playing the left tackle in the league, and he's not a left tackle. He's never been a left tackle. He should have been a left guard the entire time. He spent the first half of the first season of his career at left guard, and then they had to move him over to left tackle because Jake Long got injured. And, uh, and that really, I mean, since then, he's been kind of a mediocre left tackle. And I don't think he should have been a left tackle all along. Coming out of Auburn, he was in that, that, uh, that run-oriented offense of Gus Malzahn's. He had almost no pass, true pass protection sets, which is an issue that Mekhi Becton has coming out of Louisville this year as well. So you know, keep that in mind when you're thinking about Mekhi. Um, so he's a guy that had the athleticism and the overall ability that made people want to take him super-duper high, but he wasn't proven as, as far as what he can do in pass protection at left tackle. And that's a big red flag because, you know, as a left tackle, that's your, your main job. So I'm taking him to be a left guard, and I think that he's going to replace Michael Dieter there. He's got a tremendous amount of uh, mobility. He can get out to the second level on zone plays. He can pull really well. I've watched him. I went back and I watched his, his rookie tape when he was playing left guard. Uh, I think he's a good low to mid-level contract. We're talking in the 5 to $7 million area. But also, you know, hey, what? You're not going to have to have Jamarcus Webb at left tackle uh, no matter what happens with the draft or with injuries, because worse comes to worse, he can go and play left tackle at a mediocre level, which is better than we saw, much better than what we saw um, from Miami this year. I have another guy that we have, uh, Ben Garland. He's a center. He's 31 years old, so he's probably the oldest uh, free agent that I have here. He came out of Air Force originally. He's unique. He's a uniquely uh, uniquely good run blocker. His mobility, his uh, lateral agility are just absolutely, and they remind me of Shaq Mason, who's a guard for the New England Patriots right now that the Patriots have turned into sort of a Pro Bowl type of player. Uh, coming out of Georgia Tech, again, he was like a triple option, you know, very run-oriented. They've made him a complete player. Ben Garland went over to the San Francisco 49ers this year and was the backup center for Weston Richburg. And Richburg got hurt, and he was forced into action. They didn't skip a beat. In fact, they got even better. They got even better at, uh, at run blocking with Ben Garland and at the pivot. And I think that it's time for him to get a shot to be a real starter. He's a veteran presence and could be a positive influence on younger players and the offensive line. Another player that got uh, the offensive line is Cornelius Lucas. He's still only 28 years old. This is a guy that I wanted as an undrafted free agent to, be, to play right tackle the NFL. He was a career left tackle at Kansas State. Uh, he is huge. He's huge. How huge? He's six foot nine and 330 pounds with a seven foot five inch wingspan, 37 inch arms. He is, you can't get by the guy. I mean, he's, he's, he's incredible. Um, he's got good feet for, uh, for that size. And because of how big his frame is, it's really hard. I mean, he impacts the defense in, in, in ways that you know you have to really pay attention to see how it's impacting what um, what path these guys can try to take with him, and it provides time. The thing that he's good at, the thing that he is, is a good pass protector. And as a swing tackle, I don't want Tua Tagovailoa, and I am taking Tua Tagovailoa by the way. Just you know, spoiler, um, I don't want Tua to get mowed over and injured just because we went a man down on the offensive line. Okay, I want. 
I want the guys that come in as a backup, the swing tackle backup, to be a pass protector, somebody I can rely on, and that's Cornelius Lucas. So as we go to other places on the, uh, on the roster, Melvin Gordon. Now, this, a lot of people don't like this, and they think that running backs don't matter, which I think is ridiculous. They think that, um, you know, that what your running back – I mean, I, th- I think there are two, thing, two problems with Melvin Gordon. Um, the one is this, this poorly conceived belief that running backs don't matter. And the second problem is, you know, everybody's just – if you're going to spend money, just spend it on the offensive line. They don't want to hear anything other than that. But the best way to protect your franchise quarterback, especially your young franchise quarterback, is by actually being able to establish a ground game. And what better way to do that than get a guy who is experienced already, is still very talented, is in his prime, and will touch the ball the second most of anybody on the offense behind the franchise quarterback. I think that that's why this position matters. What'd you say? And the center. And, well, right. (laughs) I don't think. Yeah. That's that's nitpicking. Um, but anyway, I think you get Melvin Gordon. He's an all-around player. He fits Chan Gailey's offense really well. Um, we're talking about probably between a $10 and $12 million a year contract. And your guess at $11 million would pretty much spot on, Alf. I think that's, that's about what he's going to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that if you take him out in free agency, then that frees up one of those high picks from in the draft for other positions, specifically the offensive line, to finally get that done. So on defense, we switch to that side. Leonard Williams, just like uh, just like Alf said, I, I look at this guy. I see him. He's 26 years old. I'm thinking maybe between eight and 10 million dollars a year gets it done. Uh, you take him. He's he was talented enough to be a really high pick in the draft, and now you take him for this system, which asks you to be uh, to do some heavy lifting and not necessarily collect stats. And he can just be in, be in the system and be a problem for offensive players. You don't need him to, to collect all the stats, to collect the sacks and, and the pressures and stuff like that. You need him to do heavy lifting so that the certain blitzers and guys that play in space can do that stat collection. I would rather kind of grow some of those stat collectors and then purchase over, because the Patriots have done this with Chris Long and Adrian Claiborne, some of the guys like that. They get those guys that can be a problem for the blockers, um, and then they help everybody else get get stats. And I think that's uh, that's him. Another guy I would give Brian Flores, and this is just a nod to my coach, is Kyle Van Noy. And I think that if you get him, you might get him a little bit more cheaply than you might imagine because there's sort of a history of teams trying to acquire those New England guys and not being able to make them work. Think about Patrick Chung. I mean, he goes, he goes off on a big deal and then kind of goes back to New England on a cheap deal once the other teams couldn't make it work. And I think there's a little bit of reticence on those New England guys because of that. Jamie Collins was really the same way. They can't make these guys work outside of that system. Well, guess what? Miami's running that system. You know, it's, it's Brian Flores and Josh Boyer. So they have the most chance of anybody of really getting the most out of Kyle Van Noy. And I think that that would be that would take somewhere between ten and twelve million a year. That's my guess. Um, we have Byron Jones. Byron Jones is pretty much my marquee signing. I think it's going to take fifteen million dollars a year to get it to get it done. That's my personal opinion. I think you're gonna if you're if you're not giving him that Xavier Howard contract, he's not going to listen to you. Um, and I think that 
it would be worth it to do that because in 2018, when he had the great year, um, he was used in press probably more than just about anybody other than Stephen Gilmore, you know, which kind of shows you the system uh, uh, compatibility. Uh, I think that he's perfect for this. And also some people are expressing a little bit of concern about Xavier Howard. Let's be honest. He's mm-hmm. got an injury history. He's got the domestic violence arrest uh, this, this off season, which the charges look like they're dropped, but the NFL is going to investigate. And personally, I don't think any, any suspension will be forthcoming, but I could be wrong. Uh, a lot of people are expressing concern about him. This is the way you hedge that. You not only get better at the other corner position, you hedge that concern because, hey, after 2020, if things are still not working out with uh, Xavier Howard, we might just have to cut him loose. And it'd be a lot easier to cut him loose if you've already got a premium guy sitting on the other side. Mm-hmm. And so I think Byron Jones makes a ton of sense as the most marquee free agent signing the Dolphins could have this offseason. And then after that, Trey Boston, just like Alfit, and you know, we're coming up with a lot of the same answers. Yeah, I think four guys so far that are the same. Yeah. He's got he's got a lot of the he's got a lot of the attractiveness of being a free safety for this uh for the Dolphins team. Uh, he's played that position free safety eighty percent of his career. I think that uh you move Bobby McCain back to the slot, you've killed two birds with one stone. He's a guy that sort of played a lot of, um, you know, if the phone doesn't ring, it's me uh, on free agency the past couple of years. He, he sits there a little bit. And so I do think you're going to get him on an inexpensive contract. And I think that he can grade well at free safety. Two other guys, and these are off the wall signings. I have Maurice Kennedy. Uh, he's a corner. He was originally drafted by Baltimore, played there a number of years. They cut him this year. He played for the Jets. Uh, he was a slot corner of Virginia. And he's like a six foot one inch slot corner. When a guy can be six foot one inch that lengthy and play slot, he's got the quickness for it. Um, I think that really turns your head a little bit. He's had his, he got better every single year at Virginia. And then with Baltimore, he's gone through significant injuries. He's had three uh, season ending injuries at Baltimore. So it's really interrupted his ability to get better. I would get him here on a very low-level contract and see what you can do with him. I think he can play the inside. He can play the outside. He was particularly good in some games this year playing on the outside using his length. And I think that that, that would be worth the dice roll. Um, and then I mentioned him earlier, P.J. Walker, quarterback of the Houston Roughnecks of the XFL. He's lighting shit up. I mean, he's throwing these sidearm passes out there. Hugely impressive with his scrambling ability. You know, I used to gush about Rakeem Cato of, um, of uh, Marshall a, a number of years back. But this is like a version of, of Rakeem Cato that's got his head screwed on right. I mean, this, is, this guy can make plays. He can go out there. He's got a great arm, great accuracy. Uh, he, his arm can get it from anywhere to anywhere, you know, from any platform. It's really good. He played for Matt Rule for four years at Temple. He was the starter, and they won a ton of games together in the last two years. He was on the Indianapolis Colts, and he would still be on the Indianapolis Colts if Andrew Luck had not retired. I was told by somebody who would know that the thinking they were going to keep him, but then when Luck retired, uh, they start, they had to switch gears and focus on getting some veteran um, you know, wherewithal to be behind Jacoby Brissett. So he's in the XFL because of that, and he's lighting it up. He's by far the best quarterback in the XFL. I, I, you know, I have no love loss between me and Josh Rosen, and, uh, and I think Jake Rudock is wasting a, a, a spot on the roster. So I would trade Josh Rosen at my earliest convenience, 
get rid of Jake Rudock and PJ Walker would be my uh, maybe my we could third trade guy. him to the Houston Roughnecks <laughs> for PJ Walker. <laughs> I would do that in a second. Um, so then my draft, then my draft, I have Tua Tonga Vailoa, of course. At Queen number eighteen, there, by the way, at number five, by all three of us. Yeah, I don't think that's actually going. I I do think Miami's going to have to trade up, but that's a different conversation. Um, eighteen overall, I think uh, Tristan Wirfs of Iowa. He fell to me at eighteen overall in this draft. This is why I want options on the offensive line because he's the best player. You know, if if I want to get the best left tackle, I might have to do this. But if I want to get the best tackle, the best guy to protect to his blind side. Mm-hmm. I think it's Tristan Wirfs, and I think that he is a premium player. You look at what Mitchell Schwartz did in the Super Bowl and how key he was, right, mm-hmm. And in that outcome. And I think that Tristan Wirfs can do that for you, and it being to his blind side just adds to it. And then, Simon, I took LaVisca Chenault, too. <laughs> at number, <laughs> no 20, uh, number 26 overall, I'm staring at LaVisca Chenault. I think he's the best wide receiver in the draft. I think that he's got – the yeah, full well. package. Imagine getting yeah. Albert Wilson, except he's like six foot two and two hundred twenty-five pounds. I mean, he's, yeah. he's an absolute what, beast. He's 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 an animal. I mean, he's he's incredible. Yeah, the comparisons I think, to Des Bryant are legitimate. Absolutely legitimate. Yeah, and and I think that you can you get him. You can let Albert Wilson, who has that big salary, go, and that'll make the free agency, the big free agency that we're all putting together, a little bit more. You know. Um, appealing, I think, mm-hmm. to the Dolphins because normally they wouldn't be into the big numbers. I think. Um, then I have Antoine Winfield again. We're we're coming up with the same answers, playing behind Trey Boston, probably taking the job from him. And then I have at fifty-six overall, I have Josh Uche of uh, of Michigan. Simon, guy we've talked okay. about many times. I okay. think that he can play just about any of the linebacker positions. I've watched him drop into like Tampa two type coverage mm. in the deep middle. Okay, he's he moves differently than other guys. I think, in fact, Winfield and Uche are a lot alike. They're just different mm. positions, different bodies, and uh, and also, by the way, probably the most efficient pass rusher in all of college football this year was Josh Uche. Um, so I think that that's a big one for me to get. A lot like Zach Bond, um, the Alf guy, Matt Hennessy at number seventy overall. He, I think, is the best center in the draft. I have Ben Garland starting at center right away until Matt Hennessy is ready. But also Garland has played right guard and left guard before. He can play any of the positions on the interior. So when Hennessy is ready, I think he is the best center. I think he's got the best mobility. I think he he doesn't – you would look at his body, and, and Simon, we've talked about it, he looks a little bit like a tackle. You want to mm. think that he's going to get knocked back, but he doesn't. You're waiting for it to happen, and it never does. I looked at him in the senior bowl. He's a really good player. And then I've gotten 142, that big gulf between 70 and 142. I've gotten a Tane Muti from Fresno State. Is he the best garden? Is he the best garden college if he's healthy? A hundred percent. I mean, the thing that concerns me is 18 starts in four years. That's the, yeah. the thing that worries me. <laughs> Definitely. He, and that's why that's why you're taking him at 142, right? But listen, if he's healthy, and I don't, I do not say this. Um, mildly if he's healthy he's larry allen-esque mm-hmm. wow and i cannot i cannot not target this i mean especially if i've done my job and put together these sort of safety options all over the so that you're never quite screwed uh, along the offensive line then this is where you get to be able to be chancy and take a take a role on something special 
And I think that Natane Muti is that. The next pick, I can't believe he's still available, probably will not be. Uh, Sadiq Charles of LSU. That's my left tackle. That's that's the left that's a left tackle right there. How do you get him that suspensions? Yeah, I mean he's got some suspensions, but I mean I don't care about what I want to do. Great player though. Great player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An incredible player, incredible athleticism. Uh, I think that he could he could slide in. I, like I said, I think he's uh, Tristan Wirfs is your right tackle, and Sadiq Charles is your left tackle. Uh, and one seventy three, I got Raquan Williams from Michigan State. Uh, Michigan yep. State. I do wish I would have been able to get Devon Hamilton, but I think Raquan <laughs> is a good player. Um, one eighty five, I've got Jeremy Chin of Southern Illinois. I, he went to the Senior Bowl. I think he really opened some nice eyes player. there. He's a nice player. He's a strong safety type. He's he's huge and extremely athletic. He's going to blow things up at uh, at the combine. Alex Highsmith. We've talked about him ad nauseum. Uh, I got him next. I think that he's he's going to be a good one uh, to plug in as, as a pass rusher. And then my running back, uh, another running back that I'm taking is Michael War- Warren from Cincinnati. I think that that he's used to carrying a load and being the focal point of the offense. And I, I like that about him. He's also not a fumbler. Um, I think that, that that will have some real appeal to this staff. Uh, 246, I get Travis Gibson, who's a, a lengthy, incredibly powerful for his frame uh, defensive end that can play the run really. I think he was one of the highest ranked run defenders and in college football, from from an efficiency standpoint, things like guys like PFF have done that. Um, but then also this year, I mean, he was an incredibly productive pass rusher too. And I think you know, as long as you don't get him doing that awful spin move of his, then he's good in pass rush and could easily fit here. And then I have Patrick Nelson, strong safety, and he's another X factor player. I think he. How many how many sacks did he have this year? I mean, it was an incredible number of sacks. He passed. He's, he's the best pass rusher among the defensive backs in the draft, and I think that he can be used. I think Simon, you had a guy um, uh, from Colorado that was sort of your yeah, ex. Davion Taylor. Davion yeah. Taylor. I think Patrick Nelson is a lot like that. I think he fits in there, and um, and he can be used in a number of ways. So all told, you know, that's – I think I've spent the least amount of the three of us in free agency. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but because I, I went with a bunch of, you know, Maurice Kennedy and P.J. Walker, Trey Boston, and, um, and Ben Garland and Cornelius. These are real low-level signings. Patrick but I Nelson, also think – Patrick Nelson has more sacks than games played. Yeah. Incredible, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I would say so. And you know what? I and people don't think he can run, but I I've, I've taken a look at it, I you know, skeptically and he can run. He had 12 sacks this year Patrick Nelson did. He's a safety at 12 sacks. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's pretty that's that's insane. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I think I think that's like sort of a Patrick Chung type. Makes sense. We had a lot of we had a lot of guys that that are the same, but let me ask you one we thing. We did. You are out on Khalil Tate for that running back for that quarterback room well it's was it's it not that season? I don't want to it's or not that I like, don't want to like, you just like PJ Walker best best well I, I really just like PJ Walker better I like what he's what he's showing okay you now when when you show me you know when you show me that you can play in this in at a professional level beyond college I think that's important 
Mm-hmm. I, I have a couple of things. Josie Che wouldn't surprise me if he snuck into round one, I've got to say. Yeah. Just one of those players that just... Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? One of the guys that just everybody's like, oh, that's a surprise, but you know, it just turns out that way. Big fan of Hennessy, as you know, the, the the body people who haven't seen him will look at him. Had somebody I miss I tweeted about two months ago about Caesar Ruiz, the Michigan Center and Hennessy being intriguing center options. And this guy sent me a it didn't follow me, just sent me a message back saying, You're an idiot. Ruiz is a is like a late rounder and Matt Hennessy won't even get drafted, you fuck with. It's like <laughs> People get Thanks. unreasonably angry on Twitter. Thanks, they do, dude. don't they? Um, but yeah, Mooty. I mean, love the guy, absolute beast. But injuries concern me. And Sadiq yeah. Charles, just love him. Day one starter, left tackle. If he's not a mentalist, I think I think we all did pretty good work on the. Album. Yeah, I think we did. I think we did well. I'm proud of proud of all three of us. I think uh, my my line would be Sadiq Charles and Greg Robinson and Garland Hennessy, Jesse Davis, and Tristan Works. Like that's if you're wondering who the offense, because that's the big buzz for everybody. Everybody wants the, to know how, how we're going to fix the line. The thing about Greg Robinson, Chris, um, I, I think he probably had more penalties the last two years than the Dolphins had <laughs> last well, that, year. And he'll, fit, he'll fit right in for what we've had uh, here yeah. for the last couple of years. Except, yeah. Although. Well, if anybody can lines. fix that, wouldn't it be Brian Flores, though? Well, well maybe. Yeah. We still maybe. See I mean, point. he took he took down a team a team that was highly penalized, right? And he turned them into one of the least penalized teams in football. The least penalized thing. Yeah. If anybody can fix that, I wonder. Okay. The more I look at my offensive line, I wonder if Michael Dieter can challenge that center. Yeah, I would have him there, but ultimately probably get a cut. Yeah. Well, next week we are going to preview the Combine. One last thing before we get out of here. Simon, what are you looking forward to in the Combine? Well, nothing, because the fucking NFL have changed it to an evening thing so that I can't watch it because it's in the middle of the night. So, Lord alone knows what will happen. Well, so, thanks, GDR, Roger, Simon, you Roger Goodell, you fucking... Up. Well, I, do you know, I don't on... Uh, what it's on over here, I won't be able to tape it. So oh. I'm just going to have to stay up through the night. So thanks, Goodell, you fuck. <laughs> All right, Chris, what are you looking forward to? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess it, it. I would be surprised if these guys didn't blow the doors off. Um, I Looking across the, flat, uh, the class, just in general, uh, I keep seeing better measurements than – than in past classes just all the way around mm-hmm. and even looking at like shrine rosters it was it was killing me i'm like looking at all these measurements it was like holy crap these guys are all big they're all athletic mm-hmm. um i think that the combine there's going to be there's going to be some serious money made and i'd be a little bit surprised if that's not the case yeah me i'm looking forward to watching the offensive lineman move because I think the more I look at it, I didn't think it was all that great of a class a couple of months ago. It's a good class. The more I look at it now, and I want to see these guys move because you, you tend to learn something from, from watching these guys move in space, even though they're not in pads and they're not really blocking anybody. But they're going to want some athletic offensive linemen. We're going to get to see it firsthand starting next week. The receiver well, group, uh, I'm excited about the receiver yes. group in all seriousness. Yeah, they're going to blow the doors off. Absolutely. Um, I think I think just generally. And I think those offensive tackles, this is a good tackle group. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I'm interested in seeing that group. And of course, you know, if the quarterbacks throw some, you know, it's going to be fun to watch as well. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I don't know if Simon, if you have an opinion either, um, like what is Josh Uche going to run? Cause he, he has a different speed out there. Yeah. I think he's going to run about four, four, six, something like that. Would not yeah. surprise me at all. That, that, that'd be incredible. Yeah, or six. it doesn't. I mean, you look at him on you look at him on film, and you just think he looks like a guy that's got that in him. It does. I mean, watching watching. I mean, like I said, watching go down deep down in Tampa two type stuff. And I'm like, holy shit, this guy can move. He's from down here too. Yeah. Mm. All yeah. the more reason. Yeah. Good yeah. player. Yes. You think he's better than Devin Bush as a prospect? Mm. Different. I think he's different. So different. Mm-hmm. Very, very versatile. Whereas, but I mean, Bush had a really good year, so yeah. I, I like I like Devin a lot. But I mean, he, he, as a pass rusher, he reminds me of um, what's his name in Philadelphia. Um, who's the Brandon, who's Graham. Brandon Graham? Brandon Graham. Yeah, he, as a pass rusher, he reminds me of Brandon Graham. Mm-hmm. And that's high yeah, I think I think he I think he pass rushes a lot like that. Nice. But um, but he can also run around like a real linebacker. Yeah. Well, next week we will preview the combine. We'll get into it in depth. And this week we kind of gave you our blueprints for this offseason and what we would do with this bevy of picks and this treasure trove of cap space. And I think we all did pretty well. If you think we did crappy, I'm pretty sure we're going to hear from it from you guys on Twitter tomorrow. But that's it. There is no more. We will talk to you guys again next week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.